Welcome to Creation Conversations with Joe Hubbard and John Mackay. Join us each week as we answer your questions and common objections to the Bible, creation, and Noah's flood. We hope you enjoy the show. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you're joining us from around the world. Welcome back to Creation Conversations, and we are joined once again for this Creation Conversation by John Mackay in Australia, by Dan in Tasmania, we have Sam Jenkins in Birmingham, and we, we do have uh, a Diane Eager, we hope. Uh, as you can tell, we've probably got a bit of a, an issue. Um, we haven't been able to ha- get her camera working, although microphone was working, um, but she wasn't there when we just started. So hello, Diane, are you there? No. Um, hopefully, no, Diane at the moment. Hopefully, Diane comes T- Typical back. Australian fashion, and tumbleweeds. <laughs> we, uh, we did have at least her voice, and we even checked that the PowerPoint worked. So it was all good except for the camera, but mm. just before we started. Mm. But never mind. No, I'm still here. Moment. Oh, oh you're there, there you are. Hello, hello. Hello, Diane. Uh, yeah i am still here yes good stuff good stuff we're a bit worried for a second um well we've got the whole team then bar bar diane's microphone but we're all here the important thing uh how are we like in australia well here in queensland it's promising to be a very wet weekend which i'm really thrilled for because i've planted out all my new corn and all my new green tomatoes yesterday, juicy, tasty green ones. So I'm really pleased. Good stuff, good stuff. Craig, how's it going down in your end of the way? You believe you've got a uh, a big open day coming up soon? Yeah, we've got a big open day. We've got more than 60 people coming so far have uh, responded, and uh, that includes the mayor, which is great, the mayor of the local government area and uh, some Wonderful. high school principals from the Christian schools. The head of tourism from northern Tasmania is coming along as well. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a busy day, lots of people, and it's great to see lots of interest in it. And I'll be there too, Great Craig. stuff. Great. Oh, yeah, sorry, John as well. <laughs> Getting these celebrities coming now. And Diane. And Diane. Yes, that's right. Great to Diane. Well, how are you doing, Diane? Other the microphone or camera oh, other than being very frustrated with my computer we, we tried all sorts of things to get it it just wouldn't access the camera so my apologies um but yes i i had uh, two weeks up in uh, queensland with um at the creation research head office and a few trips to jurassic arc which were really good and uh, we've got some interesting research to show you tonight with our um, uh, some buried bones uh, and various other things. We had uh, we had a good time with a local radio station who were very keen on what we did, kept on asking us to come back. So we did <laughs> twice. I love the way your black screen works, Diane, because that advertisement for mouth guards looks just like your mouth opening and shutting here around your initials. So keep it up. It looks cool. <laughs> it looks pretty horrible to me. But anyway. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know why my computer is being, well, or 
there's some disconnect between the restream program and my camera, but uh, I I don't understand. It's the it. first time in a while. It's very very bizarre. But um, anyway, we we'll, we push on. We push on. Sam, you'll be looking after the chat and everything tonight as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As always, I'm, so, I'm here for you guys. Always, I, I'll come on, you chatsters. Get them chat messages in. Great stuff. Yeah, it promised be a very uh, a very good session this evening. Interesting, certainly. Uh, one of the more slightly controversial ones, especially in this day and age. We're dealing with the question of um, and the apologetics and the questions around that and the Trinity of Christ and all this kind of stuff. So it does promise to be a, a very, very interesting program this evening. You see our graphic that we're uh, ready for it. Um, so yeah, we're going to dive into that in just a, in just a little bit. Uh, remember, keep coming throughout this program. We will have at least three Q and A sessions. Then we're all sharing a little bit. Uh, we'll we'll start with John and have a Q and A session. After John, we'll do uh, Diane and have a Q and A session. Then me and John will and uh, we'll finish off the evening with another Q and A session. So, keep your questions coming um which is fantastic so let's just do a, a quick ministry report as we always do just keep you been going on um here in creation research john okay one bone in fact you might want to blow me up the full screen at the moment joe so they can see these better well, i was gonna say one I, bone. you said the full screen there yeah that's right okay now this is eight years old came from an animal eight years ago. And the interesting thing is we buried one of its companions at exactly the same time. Uh, purpose was simple. You see, we like to find fossil bones. There's one there. Now it's very heavy compared to this one. That one there is a fossil buffalo bone from the North Sea. Yes, you heard me correctly. The buffaloes used to roam all over the Northern part of, of Europe. Now they're only found in the USA. Oh, this one here, I got from Montana. It's a fossil buffalo bone. Now, there's a present-day bone from Australia, Australian animal. Here's a fossil buffalo bone from the USA. But they still live in the USA. Uh, any of you know anything about Buffalo Bill and that? He's really famous for shooting so many buffaloes, but it wasn't about harvesting buffaloes. It was about removing the food source of the Indians and sub making them submit because they depended so much on buffalo. Okay, one present day bone, one fossil bone, and look what we've been doing. You see, eight years ago, we actually buried this bone, which in those days looked like this bone. Oops, wrong one, better put the right one down here. It looked like this, and there it is eight years later. Now, we've been running experiments on trying to investigate how iron gets into bones. Now, it's interesting because you can see the black color close up and you can see inside it's sort of slightly chocolatey brown after eight years. There's the outside of this bone and inside you can see it's chocolatey brown. Um, now, both of those are being caused by iron. Oh, how do we know that? This one here, there's no doubt about it. Perhaps it's caused by, you know, all of those black things in, in, in trees, the tannins and that. But we sent it off to the lab quite a few years ago, and we actually got a report. It contains iron. And as Dr. Diane Eager will tell you, as our medical biologist resident, 
bones don't contain iron. So normally the logic is the longer it's been in the ground, the more iron it will get. And one of the things we're finding out yeah. is that that's simply another fallacy. Now, that's a bit of background on the research we're doing. No, it's not finished yet, but in reality, we're keeping tracks of what's happening there, doing the experiments, getting our hands dirty in the real world to tell you what the truth is, the facts are about how long it actually takes to form a fossil. And it doesn't take time to form a fossil, it takes a process. But that's not my main subject tonight. Uh, I'm gonna deal with Islam, like Joseph said, but more of that later. Diane? Do you want to bring your ministry report from uh, Jurassic Ark in the last couple of weeks? Uh, well, as well as digging up buried bones, um, we uh, went to a local radio station and uh, we did a few programs for them uh, just on some of the topical things that we send out in our, uh, in our newsletters. And they were so fascinated, they invited us to come back. So we... Um, did a few more of those uh, and also uh, some Bible teaching that, that John did. And, uh, and they asked us to come back again. Uh, and, and we did. Uh, and uh, then um, they were so keen on what we were doing. Um, they uh, want us to come back later on in the year, which we will. Uh, but in the meantime, they have all of these recordings. Uh, so do pray that uh, they will be received well and that the Lord will use those uh, mightily where, wherever they're um, whenever they're being uh, sent out on the radio you never know that they will reach people who otherwise wouldn't be able to um, to, to uh, come to an, hear about our meetings so so that was good um, a fun thing that we did was uh, one of the young guys uh, on the property up at uh, Jurassic Ark has a drone and he took a few photos for us uh, and uh, do, do you want to show those? Um, yes, show those please. There we go, Diane. Yes. Oh, oh, Joe, what are you doing? There we go. You're doing the stair. I should just leave it to you. Should yeah, you? that's probably best, Joe. It's probably best. <laughs> All right. So, Yes, so, so this is just a, a quick fly through our, um, our fossil excavation site, uh, which is where all of uh, our whole Jurassic Ark started. Um, and the more we uh, excavate, the more it looks like a catastrophic log jam. So here we go. We're at one end of the, uh, of the covered in area, which... Um, is uh, overlying the uh, the fossil log site uh, to protect the actual fossil logs, but also to protect the people who are digging them up. And thanks to all our wonderful volunteer helpers, as well as um, as well as the uh, uh, creation research uh, staff. And so here we go. So we're at one end, and we're just going over. And you can see uh, some of the areas where the fossil logs. Are, um, where we've dug some up and they're sitting on the ground, uh, but most of them we've just exposed. And so you can look over them and see them uh, lying in the ground. We're not actually going to dig them up and carry them off. We'll leave them there to, uh, to show you how they're distributed. And you can see in this one, there's a sort of general um, flow from, from left to right there. 
so there is a directional flow in them, um, but some of them are lying across one another, just like a log jam that you would see in uh, in the one of the Canadian rivers these days or uh, somewhere else. So we just keep on going. Um, here's another area where we've uh, where we've excavated, and you can see the size of these things. They really are huge. Um, and uh, here are some more as we're going through the shed. Uh, now, this object on the left there that we've got covered up, that has a special significance which we could deal with uh, later on. It's a very, very large log, but it also shows um, some of the layers that are formed within this. There's a good story behind that. I'll get John to tell you that, and we might have some photos later on. Um, and anyway, we keep going. And as you can see, there are the um, some of the equipment that we've got left uh, from the people who are working there. This is a work in progress. It will be a work in progress for a long time because the more we dig, the more amazing things we keep on finding and the more logs we keep on finding. And here we are almost out the other end. Um, so that's uh, if we can just come back to... Um, that's the end there if you want to come back to the know, uh, uh, Diane if you just I'll take over from there to explain a couple yeah. of things um, we're always grateful for volunteers who have drones and things like that but the whole purpose was when we first dug this up uh, our young geologist Liam Fromeyer who was the uh, head researcher at the local mine a gold mine by the way and uh, rather famous for finding a brand new gold deposit just north of Gympie where nobody had ever looked and his whole mindset was changed when he became a believer in the whole biblical record. And so he went and found out this, this fantastic deposit. But we got him to actually map the first section of logs. Purpose is simple. Was there a flow? Or was this just trees that lived and died and fell over? Now, from that first map, which we've still got, uh, which is just the bottom, uh, the, the far end, as you saw Diane showing it, about the first 60 or 70 metres. From there, we've excavated several acres of bones, put a nice shed over it. And Diane, it's wonderful to actually work under that shed, isn't it? Um, oh, it's, it's certainly great is. Queensland heat, yeah. Yes. Now, what we've done as well since then, we've used ground-penetrating radar. Yes, thank you to those of you who donate. It cost us $3,000 for a day to hire the ground penetrating radar. Man, I'd hate to have a week's worth of work done. But we've got up to 10,000 logs on the bottom half of Jurassic Arc, and that's without bothering to look for the rest of them. So what we're finding is there is a direction of flow. The water flows sort of northwest, southeast, and it's a flood deposit. And, and we'll talk more about that when we give you the next update on Jurassic Arc. But... Thanks for that, Diane. Craig, you've got any ministry report of what you've been doing now? They're getting ready for open day because up here we've got open day on the 24th of September. I'll dash down to you, then dash back up. And uh, we, we are looking forward to our first decent crowd in three years, right? Uh, the COVID lockdowns. Hopefully we won't get another one this year. Last year they confined us to 30 people on 10 hectares as part of this social distancing program. Bit hilarious. But nevertheless, this year we're sort of free to have 100, 200, 300, whatever. Craig, what's your ministry been up to? Digging any more fossils? 
Yeah, actually, we uh, since we last met, we have been out to the Helia Gorge area of Tasmania, which is the, the furthest west we've been so far, and uh, found another fossil site out there. So we had a, a great day out there with some new volunteers came out as well and enjoyed the day. Um, typical wet, rainy west coast Tasmanian day, but we, we certainly turned some, some up. So that's uh, just adding to our map a little bit. Um, apart from that, yeah, just organising um stuff for the opening uh, opening day but really looking forward to coming up to jurassic arc as well later in the month yeah craig's our guest speaker for the day so come on up there craig we love to hear what you have to say that's that's gonna be great. great stuff it's great stuff well here in the uk it's been we are currently writing a new newsletter which will go out so make sure you're signed up to our uk newsletter list but it will be going out internet and updating people uh, we're preparing for uh, a um, sort of conference convention that's happening next. Uh, we've got our big convention, which is happening at the end of this month. So preparation and lots of sorting. And of course, we're still pushing forward with as well on our open day, which will be on the 29th of October. So make sure you come. Tickets will be available to book very, very shortly. So we've been pretty uh, pretty all over the place. We've got some great new additions to the museum project as well. So we'll uh, keep this. Make sure you follow not only our YouTube channel, but also things like Facebook and our TikTok account because we're getting there as well. And uh, we'll continue to put out snippets and clips and so on and so forth. In fact, the little... Um, clip that you did uh on the um the the rock from hawaii and it was data yeah. all sorts of different well uh, that's done moderately yeah. well on youtube and it's done moderately well on tiktok but on facebook it's just exploded and uh it's had i think we're now now heading towards fifteen thousand views with no boosting or promoting or adverts or anything like that it's just been shared around um and it's got more and uh, more and more, you know, views and appreciation, and some people who don't. I, I believe it's upset what you're saying. a few people do. Really no, have. I believe yeah. it's upset yeah. a few people as well. Yeah, you really have upset some, yeah. some people with it, and some people are adamant that, uh, and many other things, to put it nicely. But um, I think maybe one day, sort of, I know we've done carbon dating as a topic, but I think. I think we should do radiometric or radioactive dating, you know, the sort of the... Do you know what I find dance. interesting about the criticisms, Joe? Do you know what I find interesting? I've been there, I've collected the rocks, I've checked all the rocks, and all of my critics haven't been there. That's what I really... In fact, this includes the geologists. I mean, who's going to climb up a mountain to actually get a, one specimen of a rock and, and be there for three days in Hawaii? I mean, Hawaii is a great place, but I didn't go there for the surfing or to visit Elvis Presley's ghost or anything like that. What you'll find is we went there to do real research. <laughs> and again, can I encourage you, those who are sending in your gifts, we are truly grateful to help us cover all the costs of that so we can actually have the on-the-spot evidence. Absolutely. And we've got one of those down at the our Creation Museum that you gave me as well, John, and, and people have really been enjoying seeing that. Good. Yeah. Nothing really beats having the evidence there in your hands, you know, being able to hold it up and talk about it. It's it's, it's fantastic. Okay. 
Okay, um, let's move into our main topic because we've got a lot to get through with presentations and we want to have plenty of time for questions and answers. So let's dive straight in to our main topic, which is Allah or Christ. You know, what about Islam? Um, things because I, I believe you've uh, a lot of dealings with, um, well, basically mm -hmm. uh, Muslims who have either challenged or I believe you had a debate at one point with them. So you've had to do your mm -hmm. fair amount of research. So why don't you kick us off with not only the introduction to the topic, but also give us the first section of tonight's program. Okay, well, let me have the full screen first, then I'll swap to PowerPoints in a little while. Just to give you some background, I remember getting off the plane at Heathrow and uh, my host, had actually asked for a taxi driver to take me to place A, right? Now, that was where I was staying the night. I didn't mind that. But um, Aussies, well, the normal Aussie does not sit in the back seat in a taxi. He just hops in the front. Um, now, that apparently is pretty <laughs> unusual over there. So the, the driver and I got chatting, and there's no doubt about it. He was a Muslim. But the interesting thing was, because of my need to do international type research because of my need to sort of cross many cultures in many countries whether i'm going to india or america or or hawaii or climbing mountains or whatever i've had to become fairly familiar with local culture otherwise you can step on some big toes uh, really really fast so i already had done a lot about islam i'd interacted with islamic students at universities and in some of the presentations and normally if you're dealing with creation, they are very, very supportive, right? I've got no problem with their support at all. Very enthusiastic, lots of questions, until you get on to the authority of the Bible and where that comes from. But anyway, back to our taxi driver. It was very evident that he knew very little about the Quran. He believed what the, the imam told him. He believed what his local teachers had told him at the Islamic type colleges or schools there, that he didn't know much about the actual Quran. And as we talked, it was very evident that I, the non-Islamic, knew a fair bit more about Islam than he did. And yes, I've got four copies of the Quran in my uh, library storage here. I've read quite a bit of the Quran and in English, by the way, because like the, the, the driver, I don't read uh, Arabic at all. But they do have some recommended ones. If you're out there, get the New York edition of the Quran designed for those people who don't read uh, Arabic. It's a very useful one. Um, OK, now getting on a bit further. Next interaction. And particularly this has happened either in England or in Canada, where there are big Islamic concentrations of people of course if you go to india yes you'll find them very very commonly spread depending on which part of the country you actually go to but here's what happened next on my trip in england okay i stayed with a family and their daughter-in-law was a teacher now as she was sharing with me she had lots of islamic students in her classes and the boys particularly were very aggressive to the point of saying when we take over, you will be out. Because you may have noticed that very strongly convinced Islamic men don't have much room for women in positions of authority over them. Uh, and this girl wanted to know what should she do. 
because she was not being supported by hierarchies of people saying, okay, you boys stop this or you're out. There was a real fear of the power of Islam even in London. All right, now next step. I was asked to do a debate against a Muslim imam. Now, I, I'll be honest, I have had to do a lot of preparation to debate what I thought would be a very scholarly, because to be an imam, you have to be appointed a leader, you have to be a well-trained college graduate, uh, particularly from one of their colleges. So I, I, I'd never done this before. <laughs> I thought, well, John Mackay's not bad at debating. Uh, John Mackay's okay on science and all of that. How about Quranic stuff? How about the verses associated with uh, Muhammad uh, or the various versions of his name that you'll come across. Not so good. So I spent months preparing this debate, reading up my Qurans, and the interesting thing was I hardly needed any of it at all. Yes, he firmly believed Islam uh, was all about the true God. Islam was all about the true creator. He firmly believed all of that. I didn't need to convince him anything to do with what was wrong with evolution. But when it got to actually establishing uh, Islam was written recordings of what Muhammad did, no argument at all. I mean, he didn't have an argument to defend that. He kept repeating one thing, that the Quran is so beautifully written, it must be from a holy deity, a singularity uh, that actually conveyed this through Muhammad across to the um, to the paper that it was written on. Now, what was interesting, of course, was I had one simple retort. I said, but all the records tell us Muhammad couldn't write. Now, that debate didn't go all that well for the Islamic scholar, but he handed out books so beautiful, available to everybody. I mean, everyone went away with something like 30 or 40 pounds worth of magnificent publications. And I saw my oil money, my petrol money being used to spread Islam. Interesting. Okay, third bit of information. Um, I've had students come up to me and threaten me with death. Yes, you see the penalty for death if you don't believe in Allah, if you oppose Allah through the Trinity, the triunity that Jesus Christ is one of three, then the penalty is death. Now, I must admit, I've only been threatened with death a couple of times. Uh, the other was from an evolutionist who basically put it in print. I've still got it. He wrote and he said, if you dare come to our town and preach this nonsense about creation and Christ the creator, you will be killed. Now, I don't know about you, but us Aussies don't tend to take too much notice of those sort of uh, actual threats. So I went there anyway. Yes, I'm looking at myself in the screen here trying to adjust my clothes after changing my vest off. Uh, and nothing actually happened at all. But the anger from that man was incredible. Atheists wanted to kill me. This very keen, enthusiastic, angry Muslim student wanted to kill me. Okay, now going two steps further before we get onto our PowerPoints. Um, you will notice I'm going to use the King James Bible. Now, I became a Christian through in the King James Bible. No apologies for using it at all. But the one thing you get to find out about Islamics is they have a very high reverence for that which is traditional. 
So they would prefer you to use a traditional, an English version that was there when they first sort of uh, turned up in England, always used by the missionaries. King James scores miles ahead of everything else, even though many of the English people can't understand the English that's in there anymore. So that's what I'll be using. Secondly, you'll find that I'll be using the name Jehovah uh, rather than Yahweh, which has become the more popular way. Now, a little bit of history for those of you. We already did a session, I'm sure it's available, on the role of J in the English language. Didn't really come into prominence till the end of the 1500s, became massively prominent after the 1600s. Hence, you will read Jehovah uh, in, in many Christian publications rather than the Coverdale Bible, an early English translation, which used Jehovah, right? Uh, an I rather than a J. And of course, the I and the Y are pretty similar. So don't be surprised that the tetragrammaton, the four letters that the Jews started to use instead of pronouncing God's name, don't have a defined uh, sound, but you could go from English, Yahweh, right, Yahweh, or you can go from King James, Jehovah. Now, Jehovah is the commonest one at the moment, and some of you know that we've made up many songs like Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Well, if you sing it as Jehovah Jireh, it doesn't quite actually match the same. So there's a bit of the background. I'm going to swap over if I can remember how to do it, Joe, if you can get me onto the PowerPoints here. That would be great. All right. There's my topic, Islam, Creator and Christ. We will come across the Trinity. We will discuss issues like how did Allah get to be the all-powerful God? And I'm going to do it in a couple of bites. This one first, I'll do one bite. Then we'll hand over to Craig on the history of Allah as a God or as a believed God. Take your pick, okay? There's what you come across. Craig will deal more with this. There is no God but Allah and Muhammad is. Can you finish it off? Most people in the West can finish it off because you hear it so often these days. 200 years ago, the average European wouldn't have known the answer to that except through reading history or what the soldiers had reported back when they got back from the wilds of the British Empire. There is no God but Allah. Oh, there is Surah, chapter 5, verse 73. Surah is like a chapter, right? Uh, each of these is an individual revelation um, to Muhammad is the claim, and there is no Allah except one Allah. Now, you see the word, oh, oh, you said in English, there is no God except one God, Allah. Okay, Allah and Allah are basically the same word. And if you look up your Bible, you will find Allah is the word used by King Nebuchadnezzar. He called Daniel's God Allah. It's an old word, and it means God. And now it's become a name, and Craig's going to talk about that. Okay, there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. Now, why would they call Muhammad his prophet? The answer is very simple. Um, Deuteronomy 18. Yes, Muhammad was familiar with excerpts out of the Old Testament. The Lord your God, Moses is talking. He's talked to the people of Israel. They've left Egypt. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. Now, let's be honest. I'm sure you would have been impressed by Moses. Even when he came down from the mount and his face was glowing because of the presence of God with him. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. One who's known God face to face. 
a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Now, when you make the claim that your prophet, Muhammad, is the fulfillment of this prophet, you need to be very careful. Uh, the Lord your God will raise up a prophet for, like me from your midst, from your brethren. Context, Moses is talking to the people of Israel. Who are the people of Israel? They're the descendants of Isaac. And, and, and remember Abraham? Well, Abraham had another set of descendants. Uh, you remember Ishmael, which gave rise to the Arabic people? Now, Ishmael and all of his brothers from Abraham have been fighting from that day to this. The one thing you have to be careful of is that your brethren would not have to include Judah. Judah gave rise to the Jews, and they're fighting still with the Arabs. If your brothers do not include Ishmael, then you can't fulfill. Uh, I mean, if your brothers do not uh, include Judah, you can't be one of these one of these people like Muhammad claims to be. And it goes on one step further. And the Lord said to me, I'll raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command to him. He's going to be a leader. He's going to be a preacher. He's going to be a speaker. He's going to be the voice of God. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, we read in Deuteronomy chapter 18, which he speaks in my name, I will hold him accountable. I will hold him to task. I will require it of that person. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I've not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. Now, in other words, if you claim to be this prophet, if you claim to be any prophet of the Most High God of the people of Israel in Deuteronomy, as Moses is delivering them out of Egypt, the whole of Israel is being brought out of Egypt. They're being given a prophecy about a future leader who will be like Moses, He'll be a descendant, therefore, of Abraham, but not via Ishmael. Now, do you realize the conflict we've got here? If this prophet is not from Abraham via all the people of Israel, then this prophet is a false prophet. Now, do you see, you Christians out there, what you're saying about Ishmael? Do you see what you're saying about the Mohammedans? You see what, that's not a very popular word, a common word these days. The, the people who are descendants and listening to Muhammad. Um, uh, okay, go one step further. Muhammad said, our God and your God is one, and it is to him he bows. Now, do you notice my little um, footnote there was aimed at the Christians and Jews of his day? You do really, nearly, really need to actually come to grips with the fact that some of the prophecies made, some of the statements made in the Quran, some of the claims that would be, to you and I would read as present continuing tense, Muhammad got mad at the Jews and Christians of his day after this. Surah 29, uh, you will find that he was trying to do his best to get in favor with the Jews and with the Christians. Our God and your God is one. Now, there are many groups today within the sort of Christian cult level who say we're Christians. And reality, when you check them out, they're not. They're not actually obeying Christ. They're believing some of what Christ said. Well, Muhammad, our God and your God is one. And it's to him we bow. Now, if you want to run a test on this, uh, can I encourage you to actually check out a couple of things? When Jesus Christ actually was on this earth, when Paul is led by Christ 
through his spirit on the road to uh, Damascus when Paul spends three years away with Jesus in the desert being taught you could, you've got a way to find out if this is true or not. You see, Paul comes back and he writes Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. All things are made by Christ. All things are made for Christ. Question, run a test. Walk up the main street of Baghdad. Here's what you're going to shout. We believe God is the creator. Use the Middle Eastern words like some of the churches do. Some of the churches actually use the old word Allah for God. Now, if you were to walk up and down the main street of Baghdad shouting that, we believe Allah created everything. They'd pat you on the back. Now turn around and walk the other way. We believe Christ is the creator of all things. I'm sorry. At that point, you've just lost your friends. At that point, you become enemies of all of Islam. At that point, the penalty? Yes, just like that young Islamic man threatened to put me to death. That's the penalty in Baghdad for admitting and claiming that Christ is the creator. The Allah we bow to in Islam and the God of your Bible are the same being. I'm sorry for those of you who think that is the case if you are Christians, because there are many Christians in churches who say, bring them in. We've even seen some of the councils of churches bring the Muslims in because their God and our God are the same. No, you can run a test in Baghdad. And if you lose your head, you are serving a different God. The Allah we bow to in Islam and the God of your Bible are not the same being at all. If you want to know what Allah is like, you see, you need to come to grips with the fact, don't just go by common uh, you know, parlance out there. Go by what the Quran says. Now we're up to Surah 112. These are like your chapters and they also have verses. Say he is God alone, writes the Quran. God the eternal, he begets not, and he is not begotten. Is your God and the God of the Bible alike? Well, Allah is one, and he does not have a son. Now, can you see the difference? For those of you who stand in a university and do a debate against a Muslim, you have to actually say, well, here's what my God is like. He is father, he is son, etc. Jesus Christ is the same as God the Father. Oh, you want to check that? I know the others are dealing later on, but in John chapter 14, the chapter where I became a Christian, the thing that struck me out of that chapter is here is Jesus Christ. He's been born in Bethlehem. He grows up in Egypt. He's taken out of Egypt. He comes back. He takes his role as prophet about age 30. He becomes a priest. He becomes a king. And in John chapter 14, he's talking to First of all, his disciples, his believers. And he says, if you love me and you obey my commandments, I will make myself known to you. You can never know Allah. Jesus Christ claims you can know me. I will make myself known to you. As I've told people many times, I became a Christian because of Jesus' promise that he could do something now present content, continuing tense. I stayed a Christian because he did. I do know Jesus Christ. And so many Christians have been willing to die on that fact alone. But then when, when you have a look, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And only through me can you come to the Father. And Thomas says, hey, show us the Father. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And all of a sudden, you start on a route that says, wow, this is deep. Ah, it is deep. There's no doubt about it. But Muhammad understood how deep it went. 
and what the division was. And Diane, even though she's in darkness there on the screen, she'll touch on a couple of points later on. What's Allah like? There's the claims of the Quran. He's the creator of all things. Man was created from a clot of blood. Man was not made in Allah's image. Okay, keep those in mind. Allah is the creator of all things. If he's the creator of all things, could Jesus be the creator of all things? If man was made in the image of God, then was he made in Allah's image? Or is he being restored to the likeness of Christ because it was Christ who was the creator and Christ made him in his image? Okay, just a couple of other things here before I hand over to Craig from the beginning. What has Allah been like? Oops, he's the creator. Oops, we've just said that there. Let's make sure we don't get that double up. Muslims upset Jesus Christ as a human prophet, but never as God. They never accept him as the son of God. If your testimony is, I became a Christian and I know Jesus Christ as God the son or as the creator. Well, I'm sorry, but the Muslims are going to have to disagree with you. And if you insist on the point, you'll either be taxed to death or you'll be put to death. Yes, there is a religious tax over there that allows you to stay a Christian provided you fit into their political system, but does not accept that anything you say is correct. Now, later on, I'll come back to bite two. So if you can swap me back to the uh, main screen here, guys, that would be great. Whoops. There we are. Okay, Craig. Now, you've done a fair bit of research because you run a museum. You're likely to get people of all nationalities and backgrounds coming. Uh, you've run into people all over the place. You even hosted a debate with me. And, well, that was a fabulous debate, wasn't it, down in the big college down there? You took one bit, I took another. And the leading atheists of Australia, um, they can still get that debate streamed, I believe, that your research tonight is on how did Allah, who is a... Well, it was the word used in the Old Testament by King Nebuchadnezzar. How did he get promoted to the God of all being and the only God? Take it away. Okay. Thanks, John. So, yeah, just looking at the history in this section of Allah and who he is uh, from an archaeological perspective, but very similar to John, I've had uh, friends of mine at dinner parties and so on say you know what are you christians and muslims arguing about you worship the same god after all as john pointed out ishmael the father of the arabs um you know was a descendant of abraham and clearly would have worshipped the same god that's why they're called an abrahamic religion but is it the same god we've got to keep in mind that even the Jews continually fell away from the God of Abraham. And here we have some archaeological evidence that the uh, God most widespread through the ancient Middle East was in fact the moon God, not known by various different names, but very commonly known as sin, not the sin that we know as disobedience to God, but another reference um, or another meaning of the word sin, which came from the Sumerian word suin. But the Sumerians even had uh, a temple to the moon god in Ur. There's thousands of clay tablets that have been uh, discovered in that region. 
referring to the moon god, usually represented with a crescent moon. The Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Akkadians, all are known to have worshipped the moon god. And uh, it's it's represented in, in, in the Canaanite area as well. And it seems to be some link to the god Baal and astrological observances as well. But also in the Arabian Peninsula, uh, there's been temples found and, and artefacts found referring to the moon god. And there's, there's uh, little idols and statues that have been found with crescents on, on their bodies. And Allah, the moon god, was uh, believed to have three daughters who were, were gods of the stars and also gods of the sun. And in Mecca itself, there was at least 360 gods worshipped at the Kabar in Mecca. And Mecca indeed was a, a temple site built as a shrine for the moon god originally. Muhammad eventually conquered the Meccans or the Quraysh tribe and took over Mecca. And basically, basically what he did was convince everybody that the moon god Sin was not just the chief god or the head of all the other gods. He was indeed the only god. So there has been a, a temple of the moon god discovered in southern Arabia in the 1940s. And at that temple, there are at least 21 inscriptions to Sin, the moon god. But the Bible also speaks about uh, the moon god and, and the worship of astrological sort of beings. And here's some examples here in Deuteronomy. Take heed lest you lift your eyes to heaven and when you see the sun, the moon and the stars, all the host of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them. So Moses in Deuteronomy was warning them not to worship the sun and the moon gods and the, the heavenly hosts, but to worship the one true God. Further on in, in Kings, Manasseh, the son of Ahab, raised up altars for Baal and made a wooden image as Ahab, king of Israel, had done, and he worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. And a few chapters later, King Josiah was tearing those things down. He removed the idolatrous priests. And notice that word, idolatrous. It's regarded as idolatry to worship the moon god and those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun, to the moon, to the constellations. And there's a couple of other passages there as well that covers it. Indeed, Chuck Misler um, speaks about a cylinder that's in the British Museum that was discovered at a ziggurat at Ur and it's inscribed in the Babylonian cuneiform. And I think Joseph might mention this a little bit later, but he, he is something like that, I think, in his own collection by the sound of it. But it's got a prayer to the moon god Sin inscribed on it. And it actually mentions Belshazzar um, by name. And he was previously thought to be a myth, apart from those who trust the Bible, I guess, uh, as his father was known to be the king of, of Babylon. So there's, there's lots of archaeological evidence out there uh, about the moon god Sin right across the Mesopotamian region. So Allah, where do we get the term Allah? Well, it, it, it means 
God now, but historically Ila was a, a phase of the moon god. And what Muhammad did when he brought in the, the concept of there is only one God, he says Al-Ilah, basically the God. There's only one God. But the idea that Allah didn't sort of exist as a as a, a God before Muhammad's time is, is proven incorrect in the fact that even Muhammad's father and uncle had Allah in their name and clearly they came from pagan grandparents, they named, named by pagan grandparents. So the idea of Allah is, is well known prior to Muhammad's time. And as we said before, Allah had daughters and other gods worshipped um, worshipped Allah prior to Muhammad. Now, Ramadan is, is a, a Islamic feast, well, actually, it's not a feast. It's a, a time of um, fasting. <laughs> fasting, not feasting. <laughs> uh, fasting, <laughs> the opposite, yeah. And that starts on a crescent moon and ends on a crescent moon. It's the, it's a month or a month beginning on a crescent moon and ending on a crescent moon. So there's lots of other evidences throughout the Islamic world that uh, the crescent moon is still there. There's some of the flags of the world. Uh, there's... Is Ramadan and other things like that as well. And, of course, you see the crescent moon on the top of minarets and mosques as well. So does Allah just mean God? As my friend was trying to convince me, and as, as John pointed out, Muhammad also was saying, Allah just means God. Well, there's a test that a, 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 a pre, previous Muslim, Walid Shubat, says you can, you can test out. If Allah just means God, and that's the way you become a Muslim by saying Allah is God and Muhammad is his prophet three times. If Allah just means God, he said you can test this with a Muslim and say, well, God is God and Muhammad is his prophet. And they'll respond to, no, you've got to say Allah is God. But you said Allah means God. So why can't I just say God is God and Muhammad is his prophet? No, you've got to say Allah. And that highlights the fact that Walid Shabbat was saying that Allah is a name. Allah is now regarded as a name and uh, you've got to say it. It's a deity. You try saying, as John pointed out, Jehovah is God and Moses is his prophet and see how you go with Muslims. They won't accept it. Allah is a name, it is a deity, and it's not the same as the God of the Bible. And there's another quote from the Quran highlighting the fact that Christians are worshipping Jesus and that is not consistent with the Islamic understanding. And blasphemy indeed are those that say that God is Christ, the son of Mary. Whereas Paul clearly taught that he is the son of God. There in Acts 9.20, talking about Paul, immediately preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. And that's just a brief summary of where Allah came from. Um, most Muslims wouldn't understand him as the moon god in this day and age, but the history of it is is quite clear and there's heaps of archaeological evidence in the Middle Eastern area that 
he is indeed um, a derivation of the original moon god of that region. And it's um, rather fascinating as well if you go back through history and you look at it, it's not the Babylonian, it's not just the Assyrian, goes back to the Sumerian and uh, we had a whole a whole program a discussion around Easter uh, earlier this year and I think it's still up online but it's amazing epicenter of pagan ideology which kind of spreads out around the world that seems ability to the idea of the Tower of Babel as well as the original rebellion uh, against God it's amazing how much connection there is to the moon to the stars to the sort of worship of the heavens and as craig mentioned we do have a uh, we have a very large number of artifacts in our museum collection god has been abundantly uh full of blessings when it comes to the artifacts but in particular we have a little stamp seal right which i've just been digging through my uh thing to try and see if i got any photos i can pull up but i couldn't find any easily to hand and i should have thought to bring it but um maybe we'll do a uh maybe we'll do a, a short TikTok or you whatever um on it next time at the museum it's a little stamp seal which of course would have all roll down, down through wax right and it uh a uh, a king who's in a stance against and he's god sin and it has the symbol of the moon god sin which is the crescent moon and the star so again you've rather interesting uh, connection once again so yeah um before we move on i think it's it's wise to have a q a time we've kind of done two sessions so far we're coming up to the hour mark before we mention my section and then back to john again uh let's have a q a Q&A session and see how have the questions and answers been going well okay so we haven't had too many questions yet so guys do keep your questions coming in because we have multiple chances here to answer questions um before we do dive into what we do have though short plug from us allah or christ the conversation at hand we also have a dvd there. there we go Sam, there you go no, there you go now my nice smiling face um but with uh there we go got uh john, oh, john there uh, it's just um, it's available on our uh, streaming site, creationresearchlive.com, uh, as well as uh, Creation Research, um, the main Creation Research sites, both in the UK, US, and Australia. Um, it's also available as an MP4. Um, I will put a link up momentarily. Uh, you can take me off full screen now, Joe. Um, I will put that on. Here we go. There we go. There we go. Feature resource of the week available at creationresearch.net. So make your way over there. Have a look at what we've got. Very useful presentation by John. And without further ado, let's get into some questions. Okay. okay can, I, can I just throw in, please, something, Sam, if that's all go right? Go on. Go so on. I was uh, telling Craig before, one of the things that popped out of my memory was walking along Portsmouth Wharf and seeing the, the crescent moon and the star. And uh, it's years since I've done that, but there it is from the, the town website. Uh, that's actually the symbol for Portsmouth. It's been there like that for centuries, apparently. And it, as far as I know, has nothing to do with Islam. It's very similar to the flag of Mauritania. For those of you who want to look it up, they have the crescent moon and the, and the star as well. But I don't know if anybody out there knows the origin of it. 
look it up. I haven't had time. I just walked along the wharf and saw it there. But it's interesting to see that symbol uh, in an English town, an old English town where lots of people came and went uh, around the globe. So I don't know how long it's been there, but it definitely is on the walkway along the front of the uh, Portsmouth docks. So interesting bit of, and by the way, I noticed that uh, Veronica, I think it is, is desperate to get some of these materials for her kids. Yes, include the stuff you need on Islam and all the kids' books particularly. They need to be taught thoroughly in this area from Genesis 1 to the book of Revelation. Don't just give them the bits out of the Bible. Don't skip King David's adultery. It's in there for the kids as well as the adults, right? So make sure they know what God says right is, what God says sin is. He, it's his judgment that matters, not Craig Hawkins or mine or Joe's or Sam's or even the ever invisible Diane tonight. You still there, Diane? Yes, yes, I am. Yes. Oh, that's good. Don't go to sleep because we can't watch you nodding off. Okay, Sam, any, any questions? Any thank yous, Craig? Yes, yes, we do. We have a super chat from Stacey H. Uh, she sent 1999 US Buckaroos, a new camera for Diane. There we go. Problem solved. Look at that. Thank you so much, Stacey. God bless you. Uh, right, okay, so let's kick it off with a question from George Bond. Here we go. Muslims claim that Allah's Quran is uncorruptible and no contradiction and have no contradictions, but we have found 33 different Qurans with thousands of variants. Does this mean there are 33 different Allahs? Well, I guess the one with the most Qurans in this uh, chat is me. Um, and I have different English publications. And yes, you will find variations in the English. Uh, but in one sense, that's very similar to King James versus some of the others. But what George has said is basically correct. Uh, those of you out there, unless you can read Arabic or you know an Arabic scholar, you've got no way of checking on this. But in reality, it does turn out to be factual. Uh, go search it yourself. And thank you to George for doing that. But you'll find that the, uh, uh, it wouldn't matter because what Craig has said is this is a moon god elevated to be the total god, not just the god of the moon or the god who controls the seasons, but this is Allah, elevated to Allah and that becomes his name. So the function becomes a name and it doesn't matter how many of them you have if you have the following conundrum. If any one of them who is Allah is not the true god, then all of the ones who take that name Allah or are given that name Allah do not play the role. They may want to play the role of God, but in reality, they are not the real God. There's the conflict. No matter how many different subversions you might have, the real conflict is the one true God who is Father, Son and Spirit versus Allah, whether, whether it's one variation or 33 variations. The issue is who is actually the real creator God. Well, there's also, uh, John, um, within the Islamic understanding that Muhammad did, in fact, contradict himself uh, fairly regularly, such that they've got a theological law that the latest pronouncement that he makes is the correct one. So they've actually got a theological understanding that that's what they have yeah. to apply to his contradictory teaching. His latest one is the one that they take as being true. That's absolutely correct, Craig, because it's a revelation that's sort of constantly devolving, as it were. 
so that some of the times when you quote from surah chapter five or whatever it will be contradicted by a surah further down the line and you have to take the chronologically latest one and it can be confusing right if you ever get into a serious debate with an imam make sure you're only quoting the latest one and you know what the previous one said so really good point craig mm. a real yeah. great there's, there's um, also... sorry go ahead sam no go on joe no no go on joe I was going to say a great um, resource for this and somebody who I'd like to get on the show at some point and somebody who I would like to actually do in-person conference with at some point is Dr. Jay Smith. Um, and he has actually a PhD in Islamic studies, right? He The Quran back to front almost as well as he knows his Bible back to front, right? He's a fantastic debater. He's got such an incredible amount of knowledge up in his head about this kind of a topic. He's the kind of guy who goes out mm -hmm. and will debate Muslim corner and so on and so forth. And for those states, perhaps, I don't know if you have a, a similar thing over there, but Speaker's Corner is a very famous part of London. There's a few others in other big cities where basically you cannot be arrested for anything that you say. It's literally a place where you can say anything you as you want, uh, and it's it's a protected place where you can speak. So he'll go there and engage with uh, with with Muslims and all sorts. Um, and he's debated some very famous Muslims in both. Anyway, uh, when we first met him, and uh, as I go and check out his resources, he's a, a great teacher, great great apologist. But he was talking about how his of his research has been into the historical Quran. You start saying stuff like the 26 different, you know, Qurans um, in, in, you know, today's versions, like you have different versions of your of your Bible. And what he's very good at is actually pulling up the historical ones, right? He can understand it, right? It's usually a lot better than the Muslims can. And he can show people exactly how many different variations there were in the past and how very different each one, each one would contradict it or be changed to fit the current thinking. So it'd be great to have Jay up on here at some point. Yeah. Um, and we, when we met Jay a few years back and we were sharing a, a conference with him, John, the key speakers, we basically, or he ended up saying that the two biggest things attacking the church are is Islam and Darwinian evolution. And they're the two things which we're prepared to deal with. And I thought, you know, you've pretty much hit the nail on the head there. So we need to do a tough topics conference or something like that, where we get the two of us together, uh, uh, creation research. And um, uh, I forget what the, his name of Jay, Dr. D Jay Smith is the name. Go and check him out. It's very, very good. Yeah. I'll just make well, a comment on Marion James's statement since I brought it up. Thank you, Marion, for that information about Portsmouth and uh, the reference to the symbol on the Portsmouth coat of arms being to Artemis, the, the fertility goddess, which would fit in a lot with the Middle Eastern concept of uh, LR, etc. So um, thank you very much for that. It would fit in with the Easter stuff as well, interestingly enough. Yeah. It's really useful to know. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, ju I'll just say as well, just on the back of sort of like what... Um, uh, what the uh, the question was? Wait, wait, let me bring the question back up again. Uh, there we go. Um, just on the on the back of that, um, if you take um, people uh, in speakers' corner and actually 
you know giving people you know the 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 actual like arabic differences in these different quran versions all the muslims just go no 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 don't want to hear it no 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 you can you're making all this up it's all completely unchanged they won't have it i just find it completely fascinating they're completely blinded by the fact that they refuse to accept that their quran has been changed and altered over time even though the quran says oh it's, it will never change it's it's so perfect and and yet they, they could they've got these blinders on that say you know they're not even when it's right there in front of them so you know have, have i think having um having jay on i think would be really good um to help delve into some of that um right okay let's do another question shall we um this comes in for doki doki bible club have you heard nabil Qureshi's testimony who was invited to uh, christian bible study as a muslim i have i have doki um he was invited to a uh, a bible study by david wood um who is a very famous uh, islamic apologist um he still operates i believe he's changed over to onto his own platform as opposed to youtube but he did used to operate the youtube channel act 17 apologetics which has now been taken over by a lady called hatun tash uh who is uh british based and uh goes into speaker's corner and debates muslims daily um and has actually been physically assaulted um by it um and has been arrested numerous times for speaking out against islam um but yes i have heard of nabil he's a he, unfortunately he's gone to be with the lord now um but um fascinating uh discussion he's, uh, his talk is on youtube uh, if you just type in uh, seeking allah finding jesus you should be able to find it um but it's 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 such a brilliant story just how you know he, so how involved he was in islam especially with his parents and his upbringing and and how you know his, his own seeking has brought him to the truth and he's he's written two books which i will um i will recommend uh no god but one allah or jesus uh, by nabil qureshi and seeking allah finding jesus uh both fantastic resources um if you want to delve more into this uh topic sam i'll add one testimony to that um i was running a meeting and there was a lebanese person present and this was a Christian meeting, and they came up to me afterwards and said, well, I was a Muslim, right, but totally dissatisfied with Islam. I was walking down uh, the main street of the town he was raised in, right, and he was always dissatisfied with Islam because there was such violence, there was such war, there was such chaos. He wanted to kill people, he wanted to get rid of them by violence, etc. And he said something inside me just, just was not happy with this. So he said, I was walking down the, the street one day and I passed a small Christian church. And he said, I stopped and I just cried out, are you really God? Right? Are you really God? And he said, all of a sudden, I heard a voice say, I am. Now, that's, that's all it took for him. Now, remember that scripture in the Old Testament where God said through the prophet, if you seek for me with all your heart, you will find me. Now, he had been a Muslim, and so he went inside and began to learn about the one true God, who he had to come to the conclusion was not Allah, right? This was the God who was love, the God who was justice, the God who had become his saviour, the God who was the creator, etc. Now, at the other end of the, the, the spectrum, a friend of mine who went to Jerusalem as a church person, right but not a christian right he'd been on drugs and all sorts of things 
And uh, anyway, he gets into Jerusalem and all of a sudden there's somebody appears in front of him and leads him into a building where he basically becomes a Christian, right? Through very mysterious circumstances, but he stayed a Christian from then till now. So his conversion was absolutely real, but it was, you know, not the sort of thing you and I would think of. And he, to this day, he said, was it my drugs? What was it? I don't know. But he said, I got to meet this person who really was the Lord God of the universe in terms of knowing the power of his presence, not seeing him face to face, etc. But from then on, he said, I went away convinced Jesus Christ was and is God. So two almost mysterious things to most of us. But the, the, the Muslim one, I've heard quite a few times that they actually seek Jesus Christ and he actually reveals himself to them in some extraordinary way. But it's not surprising. That's what Jesus said he'd do to the descendants of Abraham, right, yeah. in Jerusalem. And he seems to be doing it quite a bit to the descendants of Abraham, even though they're via Ishmael. So don't sort of hold back on some of those testimonies because Nabil's one was fantastic. And yeah. uh, this young Lebanese man, it was also mind boggling, but he had stayed a Christian despite the threats of persecution and all of that. And that's when you can tell when someone has really become a person who follows Jesus Christ. Yeah, and just just also on the back of that as well is um, you'll quite often find with uh, Muslim testimonies that they will have a dream yeah. about Jesus. Mm. Um, and in, in the Quran, it says um, that dreams are rele revelations from God. So you should trust them. And that's how Jesus can communicate. Uh, God can communicate with Muslims by showing up in a dream and showing them the light. And actually, there are some I believe there's some dreams in Nabil Qureshi's um, testimony as well about a door. Um, I'm the narrow door, you know, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, definitely worth a watch. It's, it definitely he's, he's um, you know, even though he's been been gone a good number of years now it's fan this is fantastic resources are still out there really really good and he was heavily involved with david wood's um stuff so sam i'll give you one it. one more one because quite a few readers are making interesting comments out there my father-in-law was the head of the bible society right had been a pastor became the head of the bible society and it was great to meet with the folks who'd become christians not through churches but through just the biblical account and he was sharing with us one day of a Muslim prince. Now, as you know, Muslim princes are in a wealth category way above what you and I can imagine. And they can afford to do things, fly over the planet, travel wherever they like, do what they want really, uh, because they can afford to. And he said, this Muslim prince, like, like the young man in Lebanon, was absolutely dissatisfied with Islam because it gave him no peace. Right. It may have given him prestige, may have given him access to business, all sorts of things, but it gave him no peace inside. He had no savior. But then the Quran never claims to provide a savior. So he, he said, I determined to travel the world until I found a savior. OK, so his testimony, sort of the finishing bit is he's walking through Egypt one day and he's actually it's Christmas Day and uh, the, the sorry the day before christmas and what what he found was there was a little shop and in the shop it was a bible society shop it just had one verse out of the bible unto you this day <clears throat> is born a savior and, and that was it he, he, it's just so emotional to me 
because you know these guys uh, and they've really paid a high price to become Christians. But there was the answer to his prayer straight out of the word of God, worked on a Muslim by the Holy Spirit and uh, he, he got saved. So there are all these sort of, uh, to, to most of us, on the edge of mysterious. But to people who are seeking God, he uses any means to reach into their hearts and mind. So a Muslim prince, now a child of God. Amen. Um, by the way, I, says, every, go ahead, Craig. I was just going to say every false every false doctrine uh, that's out there is is covered by scripture in some way or another. Good point. Um, by the way, I've uh, changed over months. We've had people commenting that I've been cutting in and out again. I'm trying a different microphone. I did disappear to see if I could find my headphones. <clears throat> can't find them anywhere uh, so i'm now using a second microphone which is positioned as am so let me know how that goes i i think i think it's the same as last week where everybody in the room can hear me fine uh, and for some reason there's some issue when it goes out so i don't quite know what's going on. if you want to comment in the chat and let me know if this is any better or worse or about the same or whatever be great and I'll have to fiddle around with microphones and stuff for next week but anyway um, let's move on um, and uh, go over to Diane Eager now I have the next section as we move forward Diane are you there yes yes yeah, yes I am still here yes I'm we seem to be having various technology problems this morning. I don't know what's, why the uh, restream won't connect up with my camera, but uh, it, it just wouldn't after numerous tries and using different browsers. But anyway, we won't go into that. Um, uh, as we've uh, t talked about, uh, one of the big differences in um, uh, Islam and uh, Christianity, of course, is that we believe or our God um, is a, a triune God. That's not three gods. That's three persons in one God, which is something that the Muslims flatly deny um, uh, with, with quite a lot of force. Um, they're very strong on this Allah is one, meaning only one. And uh, so it is important for us to understand that God has always been a trinity. It's not just something that came out of the New Testament, which means that Christ... God the Son has to have been there all through uh, since the beginning and therefore uh, should be in the Old Testament. Um, and uh, I, I remember going to a lecture by uh, a man named Paul Blackham, who's an Anglican minister and now um, writes a series of Bible study um, guides called Book by Book. They're very good. And uh, <clears throat> he gave a lecture on Christ in the Old Testament. I won't go into all of that, uh, but uh, it, it um, I had never thought of that before, but it is there uh, in, in the New Testament. So let's just go to, uh, if we can go back to my slides now, and if I go to the next one, um, is Christ in the Old Testament? Um, well, we need to ask the people um, who really knew the Old Testament uh, what they have to say. So 
here we have um, the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians and he's warning them about all sorts of things. But in, in this context here, he is warning them about idolatry because that was one of the things that they had to really battle with um, in, uh, in their society. And, of course, that's not a new problem. It was a problem for the ancient people as well. Uh, they were surrounded by idolatry uh, and uh, God had to teach them some rather tough lessons uh, about it. And so Paul writes to the Corinthians um, and he says, For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and passed through the sea. So this is a reference to the Exodus and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. And then he goes on, for they drank from that spiritual rock that followed them. Um, the word followed, there's probably better translated accompanied, or the, the sense there is accompaniment. It wasn't as if the, the Israelites were going ahead and somebody was following them behind saying, oh, I wonder where they're going. Okay, so accompanied them. And that rock was Christ. So here was Paul, uh, a Hebrew scholar, um, of the highest order even before he became a Christian and then, of course, um, empowered in the spirit. He asserts that this rock, this who accompanied the Israelites through the exodus, was Christ. So Christ was, was there. And then we have the writer to the Hebrews who is not named but is obviously uh, a Hebrew scholar who knows the uh, what we call the Old Testament, but the Hebrew scriptures really well, and has set out in his letter to explain to the uh, Hebrew Christians how Christ is the fulfillment of everything that they have believed in from the Hebrew scriptures. And uh, he writes this about Moses. Um, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And uh, he then goes on. Um, he considered the reproach of Christ greater than the wealth of the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to, uh, to the reward. So again, the connection between Moses and Christ. So Christ is there in the Old Testament. And there are numerous, if you go back through the Old Testament, there are numerous references to people having close encounters with God. So who of the Trinity are they meeting? It is Jesus who is always the one who is uh, personally comes to us. And we won't go into all of those. We could do a, an entire study of those there. Um, but there are a couple of interesting ones where there seems to be more than one Lord God involved and um, <clears throat> this is uh, uh, from, from Exodus where uh, Moses um, got uh, lots of exercise climbing up and down Mount Sinai <laughs> numerous times. Moses went up the mountain, he went down the mountain, he went back up the mountain <laughs> and uh, after uh, after the, the affair of the, the golden calf, when everything just looked like it was going to completely fall apart, uh, Moses is once more back up on the mountain. And, uh, and it says, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him. So this, this is not just a vision or a sort of vague sense of presence. Around. This is someone actually standing there with him. 
And we know from other references uh, throughout Exodus and throughout the, um, the Pentateuch, uh, God spoke to Moses face to face. So it, it was not just Moses having some vague sense of uh, God's um, presence with him. He actually spoke personally to a person. Anyway, here we have the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Um, well, well who, who is he talking about? Uh, it then goes on, and Moses quickly bowed his head towards the earth and worshipped. And so if this person was an angel, he wouldn't have accepted that. Um, this was the Lord, the Lord God himself. Um, and uh, let's go on. And he said, if I have, this is Moses speaking, if I have now found favour in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us. So there seems to be a reference to two people here. Uh, someone that got Moses is worshipping, but he wants someone called the Lord to go with them. Now, there's also an, another interesting reference uh, to uh, more than one Lord, which is uh, very famous because it's in one of the Psalms. Psalm 110, right? The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And this is actually quoted by Jesus when he is um, debating with the um, the, the teachers of the law at the time as to uh, who is the, the Christ, who is, um, and the, uh, uh, who is the Christ in terms of, yes, he is a descendant of David, um, which Jesus provably was, and the, the uh, Jews couldn't deny that because they keep all the geneal genealogical records very carefully. Um, but Jesus is making the point that, uh, the Christ is also David's Lord. And now David was the king of Israel, so he was the highest person in, in Israel. David's Lord was God. So the Lord says to my Lord, there are two people involved here. Um, <clears throat> so more than one Lord, but, uh, but the same God. And then there's an interesting prophecy in, um, in Isaiah, or an interesting statement uh, in the book of Isaiah, which is full of statements about the character of God, because um, God, of course, is about to uh, discipline the, the Jews very, very seriously by sending them into exile. But he is constantly assuring him he is still in control and he will bring them back after they have learned the important lesson they needed to learn by being sent into exile, and that was not to worship idols. Um, and so there are numerous uh, assurances that uh, he is still there, he is still in control, and they are based around the fact that he is the creator, of course. Uh, therefore, he can do all, all things uh, and he can bring them back from what would be a, an otherwise impossible situation. And here is one of these in Isaiah 48, um, where uh, God is speaking to the, to the Israelites, um, listen to me, O Jacob, and uh, Israel, whom I called. I am he, I am the first, I am the last. So this is God the creator. My hand laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. So this is God proclaiming 
that yes, I am in control. I am, I am the creator. You know who I am. And then he uh, explains that he is going to bring them back uh, from Babylon. He will defeat the Babylonians, uh, even though they look completely invincible at the time. And then he says, draw near to me and hear this. From the beginning, I have not spoken in secret. From the time it came to be, I have been there. And now the Lord God has sent me. So that was the per that's the person who's speaking, the creator, and his spirit. So it seems we have three now. Um, and uh, uh, Paul Blackham, uh, who, who I referred to earlier, uh, has written a commentary on the, on the book of Isaiah. And, um, and this is his comment uh, on, on this particular passage from Isaiah 48. He says, Isaiah 48, 16 is perhaps uh, the greatest Trinitarian verse in the whole Bible. Christ declares that the sovereign Lord has sent him filled with his spirit. Not only are th all three members of the Trinity acting together as one God in this verse, but each one of them are clearly and simply fulfilling their distinctive role within the Trinity. All the actions of the living God are from the Father, through the Son, in the power of the Spirit. Uh, and uh, that's one of the, the uh, most important um, issues where we do um, depart from the, uh, the beliefs of, the, uh, of, of Islam, that our God is a trinity. Uh, Jesus is not just the, the Son of God. He is God the Son. He is a prophet. The Muslims accept him as a prophet, but only as a human prophet. And it's very important that we clearly proclaim Jesus as God the Son, um, a, a member of the Trinity, three persons in one. And if we can go back to um, the uh, uh, back to us now, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not visible there. But anyway, uh, I'm sure uh, the others uh, can add to um, uh, and uh, expand on what we've just looked at here. My quick comment hasn't unfortunately got anything to do with that is just to say that I've switched to a third microphone, which is my inbuilt microphone on my laptop. So if it's anything to do with the connections, it will be eliminated, hopefully. If it's still really bad, then it will be something to do with reconnection or something like that. I've just done a speed test. Everything seems to be absolutely fine fine with the uploads but there we go um let me know if it is still really bad then my suggestion is we leave my segment which is unfortunate but i've just had a listen through back on um what it sounds like through on youtube and it is it is pretty awful pumping out for very large sections of it so um never mind um well 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 we've only got about it and i'm sure we've got plenty of questions to go through so that would be that would be my suggestion Still a little choppy. Hmm. Going on then. Try a different device or something. It's strange because like you, you you come across well with us. So it's absolutely fine at this end here in Australia. Yeah, so yeah. No I think it, right. It'll be it's interesting. Yes, I can hear you quite clearly. We yeah. we seem to be having technology problems this no morning. Issue there. But, I think we may be maybe time to have a have a rethink about how we do this. But never mind. Um, 
Uh, I would be interested to see how the recording, because Restream records everything um, that it sends out. So it'll be interesting to see what is on the recording as well. Um, That's interesting. It's interesting that it's, it's chopping up as it goes out to both YouTube and Facebook. So it still does it, but not as bad. Hmm. Anyway, um, my suggestion is that we um, we I, I can I can have a quick I'll have a quick flick through my um, it's it's very pictorial uh, and perhaps I'll leave it to John to go into a bit more detail biblical point but uh, let's just pull up some of my some of my sleep and we'll just quickly run run through a few things slides Romans 120. A very, very famous verse and a very important verse. There it is on the screen. The invisible things of God from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that men are without it. Okay, we've spoken today about the evidence of God and the God as the God of the Bible, Jehovah and Zalah. We've spoken about where the origin of Allah came from. And Diane has just spoken about the evidence of the Trinity within Scripture. So we have the in Scripture, but Bible is very clear and his nature around on his creation. And so if you're looking for evidence of a trying God, look at creation. Is there evidence of a Trinity or a triune creation? Um, was supposed to be dealing with and I'm just going to do quick examples and hand over to John for a sort of a biblical point. I'm going to flick through this very quickly. Trinity in nature. We're talking about God is the creator of all things. Creator of all things, Jesus is God. That's a biblical point. You can see it in John chapter 1. You can see in Colossians, where things were made by Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ, who is part of the Trinity, who is the one God, has stamped his nature into creation, Trinity in nature. Okay, IQ tests. It's a theme. And this is a program, by the way, that uh, I years back, and it really helped me to understand. So you notice how many times the word three comes into things the three blind mice the three little pigs golden so on and so forth the three comes up all the three comes up in our way that we perceive things and uh, write things and things um artistically as well surprise that being made in the image of god we understand the power of three and god has stamped his trinity as well here's some examples space how many do dimensions does space have three one dimension two dimension three dimensions you see you can see a line drawn on a page and even if you take a pencil and draw a straight line right is that a one dimension well actually no it's still three dimensions even the thinnest line even uh, my computer screen or your television screen where you see a line even the thinnest line has height because it takes something to make up 
that, um, whether it's your computer screen or even down to the little photons of light that actually make up the screen. It's the pencil that you draw, uh, the pencil line that you draw on the paper. It still has a height, a width, and a length to it. It's, you can't have one dimension without having all three. How many states of matter are there? Three, a solid, a gas. Ice, water, and vapor all together at the same time is known as the triple point. It can happen in real life. Three states all at the same time. How many basic particles in matter? Neutrons and electrons. Ah, a triunity even down to the tiniest little atoms. Quarks have one third or two third charge, even down to what makes up the atoms. Right? It goes down and down, and there's still a triunity. What's the time? I mean, what about time? We have past, present, and future. To note that you can't have one unless you have all three. And a music chord. A music chord has three notes, and the three half tones creates the basic harmony. It's a triunity. Once again, even in our understanding, which rope is the strongest? One, two, or three strands? Well, you may get the Bible reference. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. I actually read out at my wedding, me, my wife, and Jesus Christ. The threefold cord, but there it is in Scripture. Um, and Jesus said, nations baptizing them in the name of Father the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The singular name of three names. Ah, a triunity. I wonder if we can see some more examples of this in nature. It's not just three, that is also one. What building structure is the strongest? A pyramid or a triangle, right? A triangle is the strongest. A right angle or a Ah, it's an equilateral, one where all of the sides, the corners, are the same. How does the code of life work? Well, there's your um, DNA code, which has been put into English letters. It has four code letters, A, T, G, and C. How many letters are used to make each word in a gene sentence? The answer, three. So the word in the book of life has three letters. And a very pretty picture, which I'm assuming this was taken by John Mackay or one of our photography friends. Something that I try and aspire to whenever I take photos, and I'm by no means the most artistic person here, right? Um, but it actually follows a rather important law. It's the rule of thirds in photography. It follows the golden ratio, um, something which you can often see in paintings, especially very famous and you see it everywhere in nature. It's the rule of thirds. Draw a line a third of the way down. Draw a line a third of the way across. Hey, can you see how the picture is positioned? It's actually positioned to be in proportion those thirds. Now, this is a golden rule, and for the best results, and this is a tip for you photographers out there, position the thirds cross in the picture space. Make the focal point that's cross. 
and you can actually see it in nature. Here's our famous nautilus shell, wonderful living fossil, by the way. I split it up into thirds. A third of the way down and a third of the way in, you have the focal point of that nautilus shell. You see where the curly-whirly bit, third down and a third in. But you can do it even more. You can chop one of those boxes into a third up and you can chop Do you see how it all lines up? Every single bit full of thirds. It follows a pattern called the Fibonacci. So you add the previous number onto the next number and follow a fantastic way of actually getting something that is beautifully pleasing to the human eye. And it follows the rule of three, the rule of thirds. The shell is a first approximate ratio in nature. There's the other third there. Look, see how it all joins up beautifully? Absolutely wonderful. Okay, another example, colour, wheel. You now there's all different colours. You put them on a wheel, that wheel really fast and it goes a sort of interesting. Question, how many primary colours are there? Three, red, green and blue. The three primary colours, mix them all together and you get uh, all your other colours. But then white in the middle of the accumulation of the three primary colours all together the three have become a white interesting not just a three as jesus said but the three that are also the one the name the father the son and the holy spirit well i'm going to leave it there because i have no idea how good or how bad my audio is over to John, because John, maybe you could just wrap what I've just said and maybe impart some of your wisdom, but I also know that you've got a bit to finish on before we throw. I'm going to just stop it there for the minute. Okay, uh, thank you, Joe. There is a good comment from Shoggy Ward out here in Australia about the fourth state of matter. Now, if you want to check that out, you always remember one thing when you're dealing with the truth in science there's no such thing as truth. They're always looking for ways to expand it, new theories, etc. So our technical new state of matter is from pulling apart one that already exists, right? So you'll find that it's a new state only in the sense of the scientist theoretical construct. But the point that Joe is not making is not that there are three states of matter, but there are three that are one, right? Now, there is the, the crucial aspect, three colors that end up with one. It's not just the threeness, the triads, it's actually the triunity, right? Now, when that word was first invented, and we're way back in the second century, when you start seeing that concept in the Council of Nicaea, you see it as a word appearing. And yes, you're quite right, Trinity does not appear in your Bible, but neither does the word Bible, neither does Australia, right? So uh, don't sort of use arguments like that, but the concept certainly does. Father, Son, and Spirit, yet there is one God and one God alone. There is a tri-unity, not a triad of gods. If you want to see a triad of gods, come with me to India. And if you look at the historical connection between Hinduism, between ancient Greece, and all the way back to Abraham, the Tower of Babel, etc., at the top of Hinduism is a triad. Not quite a trinity, but they start with threeness, right? So that threeness is there. And some of you have said, well, look at that nice sign that refers to 
their, their, their way of saying things and, and meditating, it looks like a three. So you will find that there's threes everywhere. I could have three apples on a bench if I like, but in reality, they're not three who are one. They are three who are three. Uh, so what we're looking at here is a threeness, which yet is resolvable into oneness. And I remember at Queensland University being amazed. I should have learned this beforehand. Obviously, I didn't. I must have skipped that day in physics or failed that lesson in geography or something. But the professor simply took a, a test tube and the container and he sort of evacuated the test tube and then he would introduce a, a, a liquid into it and evacuate the air out of there. So there was only, from our perspective, water in there. But then he dropped it into a very low temperature container and increased the pressure. And all of a sudden, there was liquid, solid, and gas, ice, steam, or ice vapor, and water all there, all at once. There were three states, and yet they had one existence at the time that you looked at it from your perspective. So that was my first introduction, introduction to a threes that had a oneness about them. And so all the examples Joe's have been using, if you want to sit down and think it through, they do reflect that threeness and yet a oneness at the same time. Don't be surprised that many of the researchers will try their best um, to destroy that. But in, in the end, they will end up saying, okay, we end up with this threeness, this oneness. We're now taking one part, trying to pull it apart, but you're actually cheating on the actual nature of it itself. Uh, I love the one particularly because it was I did a, a lecture with an English teacher and I said, well, do do threeness in words. And man, I could have sat and listened to her for hours on the three blind mice, the three pigs, uh, all sorts of stories on how we make use of three in even language. But don't be surprised. We're made in the reflection of a God who is three in one. And it shows up in so, so many ways. And it's part of that evidence which Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says is there to convict you of who God is, not just that a God is, but who God is, and he's not Allah. If Allah is the true God, then you would not expect to see a triunity in nature. You'd expect to see triads um, because he's actually independent from his creation. He has no connection to his creation. You cannot know him. It's only when you have a triunity that you actually have communication between the three beings in the one Godhead. You can have love. You cannot have love if you are there all alone for eternity from nowhere going nowhere and your creation does not know you. If you've ever wondered why sometimes some of the Islamics appear to be so harsh and so justice bound, even though their justice is a very high morality, you will find it's because they have justice without compassion. Even though you regard Allah as compassionate, I'm sorry, an individual being who has no relations anywhere else is it's very hard to even come to figure out what you'd mean by compassion. So that's sort of what Joe's done. In fact, Sam, I don't know if you have that uh, DVD there, but it actually deals again with Allah and the Trinity has that section on it. And there's some great stuff in there for sharing uh, with Muslims. Uh, and you'll find even the non-Trinitarian uh, people amongst us, such as Isaac Newton was. Uh, he struggled and he actually put aside some of his light experiments because he couldn't figure them out. Uh, I know you thought he was a 100% objective, but he did what most scientists did, put it aside when he actually couldn't explain it. And the thing he couldn't explain was the actual nature of life. He muffed it up totally, went for waves, 
and and went for didn't go for particles and things like that. So you'll find scientists, if they don't have a triunity, trinity, three in one nature for a, for reality, they will muff up quite a bit. Joe, anything else you want to add on that before you want to the other questions? Uh, just the point that it is the it is the triunity, and um, also thank you for for Doki Doki, who's been sending lots of things to to help me. None of which I understand. They 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 will help if I. <laughs> I was to understand it a bit to you and Sam to try and fix that out. Uh, but yes, if we can get it fixed today, that would be wonderful. Um, Sam, a suggestion would be to perhaps invite that we finish this stream and see what we can fix because uh, I've listened back, back to it on YouTube and it is it is pretty awful. Um, we'll uh, we'll finish up. John, do you have anything else that you're going to finish with power, PowerPoint wise for bike? Oh, three yes, on? I certainly do. I certainly do. We'll so hand over to you, then up. we'll finish up with maybe a few questions. But there we go. Hand over to, okay. uh, to you, John. Give me the whole screen. Um, I'm pretty known for uh, doing some of the interesting stuff. I mean, with kids, and I'm just a big kid myself, I love to sort of play with water or, or cook steam or, or all sorts of things, blow things up even. Um, dip bones in mud and leave them there for years and then test for iron. You can even use cordial and things like that and, and tea bags to test for iron. There's an awful lot of chemical uh, that you get in your kitchen that you can use. I call it kitchen chemistry. But this one here is a lot more serious. In terms of how serious does this issue get, let's go one step further. The Apostle Peter, background in Judaism, became a believer after Jesus essentially rose from the dead and he was one of those who was on the edge of full commitment even before the crucifixion. Acts chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, let it be known to you all, Peter's talking to the people of Israel, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. That's the man who'd been healed, right? And then he says, this is the stone that was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Now, it's a quote from the Old Testament, from Psalm 118. Um, this is the stone the builders rejected, which has become the chief cornerstone. Now, when you look at that quote, Jesus quoted that himself as applying to himself. This was the one who was, well, this is the God who made the day and opened the door to salvation. So the Jews knew this background and they knew who was being referred to here. It was God, but it was Jesus. Okay, Peter said, let it be known that by the name of Jesus Christ. But Dion's already said this name is associated with three. This name in the Old Testament, nor is there any salvation any other than there is, sorry, for there is no other name under heaven given among men what which we must be saved. Okay, which name? No, it's not Allah. There is no name Allah given that that can actually save you. There is no name Vishnu given that can save you. When you have a look at the, the Kali name, the, the Hindu god of death, you're not given to be saved by that. The best you can come up with is you can be put to death. Nor is there salvation by any other name under heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved. So when you deal with this issue of salvation, Yes, talk to Muslims, talk to Islamics, and they are really hoping that Allah exhibits favor. 
Well, you may want to call him gracious, but how do you get into paradise with him? You could try blowing up a few Christians. You could by uh, killing people who are opposite to you, who are terrorists in your opinions because of their preaching Christianity, but it doesn't guarantee you. In the end, you simply make it in because Allah is the ultimate predestiner. He's the one, he makes the choices. Uh, you at the best get to throw the dice. When you go one step further, who is Jesus Christ? You see, the Christians are going around saying there is no salvation in any other name. Not Muhammad's, not Allah's, not Hindu names, none of these. There is no salvation any other way. And if you don't have salvation, well, at least you've got to say the Christians are ahead of you because they have a name by which you can be saved. Um, Paul writes to Timothy, young Timothy, but and the subject is God's grace is now made shown, is now made known, is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So now that Paul has become a believer, now that Paul has sat at the feet of Jesus Christ being taught how to open up the Old Testament to lead to the New Testament, how to write who Jesus really is, he's not just the creator listed in Colossians chapter 1. He's not just the historic person who Moses uh, followed out of, out of Israel, uh, out of Egypt rather. He is the saviour, the one who saved them from slavery in Egypt and gave them a physical promised land who would sooner or later come to save them from the bondage of sin and give them an eternal promised land with God the Father in glory and in new heavens and new earth. Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Okay, now tie this together with one thing. You see, there are quite a few subgroups of the church, and I noticed Ravi had a good question there before about that most Christians in the church believe in evolution. Well, Ravi, I love your questions. I love you dearly to keep sending them in, but you need to get one thing straight. It is irrelevant what the majority or minority of Christians actually believe. The thing that you've got to get straight is the thing I keep repeating is what does God's word say? Because there have been times when there was only one man who believed it, e.g. take Noah. Um, you will find that it didn't matter that the majority were against him. Noah's church would have been almost empty and the popular church would have been full. It's irrelevant how many people believe the truth. What is relevant is what is the truth. And through the prophet Isaiah, the Lord says, no, it doesn't say here is Isaiah's thoughts about God. This is the revelation God gave to Isaiah. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Have you got that? Your New Testament says Jesus is the Savior. Your Old Testament says the Lord is Savior. The Lord is the, the, the way we say that old Hebrew, Hebrew four letters, the tetragrammaton. You can either pronounce it Yahweh or Jehovah, but in reality, either Yahweh slash Jehovah is the only Savior. But if your Jesus is this, you see John 1, all things are made by him. Colossians 1, 16, all things made by him and for him. Hebrews chapter 1, God the Father got the, gave the Son the creation, right? God the Son is the creator through the power of God the Spirit. And in eternity, in Revelation chapter 4, it says that we, we are actually singing to who this creator is. Thou art worthy, O Lord. That's the first version I learned of it. For thou hast created. Chapter 5, thou art worthy, O Lord, for thou art the lamb who was slain. Who is Jesus? 
There's no doubt about it. The New Testament views him as the original creator of Genesis, as the Yahweh, as the Jehovah, as the only one who is Lord and King and Judge. Okay, warning. Isaiah chapter 41. So that all may see and know and consider and understand that the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. If you're a Christian and you firmly believe your New Testament, that Jesus is the creator, then you are firmly believing that the Holy One of Israel is Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? So if you want to go and give the good news to Jewish people in Israel today, then the Holy One of Israel is and always has been Jesus Christ. Yes, there is God the Father, there is God the Spirit, and there is God the Son, the three who are actually the Holy One. Ah, warning, if your Jesus is not the creator God, who is the Lord God of Israel, you have no saviour. I say that because there are some people who have the concept, you even find Jesus only Baptist churches. No, you can't have Jesus only. There is God the Father, there is God the Son, and there is God the Spirit. There is the Lord God of Israel. If your Jesus is not the Lord God of Israel, you have no saviour. On the other hand, if your Jehovah, your Yahweh is not the Christ, you have no saviour either. So why have I been using the word warning? It's a good place to finish off. If you're Islamic, then be like that prince who went wandering the world till he found he, he could get a saviour. He couldn't find it in Islam. Read your Quran. I've got four copies, as I said. They all say the same, nothing about a saviour. There is no saviour in Islam. You cannot know forgiveness for your sins. You cannot have a guarantee that, well, I mean, after all, you're trying to bump off the Jews, many of you, aren't you? That you, you're not even interested in the Lord God of Israel because your God is not the Lord God of Israel. You have no advocate. You have no sin bearer. Yep, you may put the goat to death. You may put blood on it. You may sacrifice all of these things. But I'm afraid the goat can't take away uh, your sin. You have no sin bearer for the sins of a human being. But the warning goes beyond this. Yes, I remember one of the first groups that dealt with creation in Australia was a group of Jehovah's Witnesses. And they were interested in Ken Ham and myself getting involved in what they did. I had to tell them, I'm sorry, you're not even Christians. They were shocked. They were going around door to door claiming we're Christians. I've had them come to my door. Sorry, you're not Christians. You are Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, with the increasing popularity of Yahweh, they really haven't changed over to Yahweh's Witnesses yet. They may do that, but the reality is either way, they are not people who believe that God is Father, Son, and Spirit. Christadelphians are the same. Non-Trinitarians, yep, Newton firmly believed God created, but he did not believe Jesus Christ was God the Creator, God the Father, and God the Son, the three who were one. Man, you'll have to struggle with that sometimes when you use him as part of your argument for creation and for Christianity. Man, you've got to be careful because it's not a question of did someone as famous as Newton believe this or that. The question is, what does God's word say? It's not an issue like Ravi's asking a good question. The majority of Christians, well, the majority of the church rather wisely picked words, Ravi. It's not a question of what the majority of anybody believes about the Bible. The question is, what does the Bible say about God and about his people 
and it warns you one thing. If you have no Jesus, you have no savior and you will, will have a judge on a coming judgment day. Okay, put me back on uh, uh, whole screen and we'll take our last question time here. You put me off screen, guys. There we are. There that's we good. Whoops. There we go. I've disappeared. There we are. That's good. Thanks for that, John. That was great. Right. Well, that rounds us up nicely. Um, and we've got probably a few more minutes with some questions and answers. And I see there's a fair few in our pinned messages box to you. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm, I'm going to be a little, um, a little selfish. I'm going to ask one question that I, I think has been asked numerous times um, to Christians from Muslims, and is a massive sort of stumbling block for a lot of people, especially when they're having conversations. It's the age-old question that um, Muslims who do dawah, which is the um, it's the word for evangelize. It's Islamic evangelizing is called dawah. Um, they ask Christians this question. Uh, show me one unequivocal verse, just one. I only want one where Jesus says, I am God, worship me. And they, they ask that over and over again, and they know they will never get an answer. But I think it might be worth addressing that point because a lot of Christians get caught up on that and think, oh, well, you know, maybe, maybe maybe I should be a Muslim then, you know, that sort of thing. They catch them out with their their mind games. Are you going to answer the question too? We we, we expect you to because you asked it. Oh no, I was I was I was asking just just for <laughs> for knowledge because I because I mean I I've got I've got a website up which I can read from if you want me to, but the knowledge is not in my head. <laughs> Oh, good. We'll read it from the website because you're, you're cheating there at the moment. So away you go and help people out there because you've done a fair bit of talking to Muslims as well, even though you haven't done too much talking tonight. Okay, fair enough. Um, the Quran informs Muslims that Jesus never claimed to be divine. Rather, people began to believe this after Jesus left the earth. Quran, uh, Surah 5, 116 to 117. Um, so we believe that later Christians were responsible for corrupting the true Christianity. Why did Jesus not boldly and pro publicly proclaim his deity? This is a good question, but a good answer is readily available. He did not want to announce his deity, uh, announce his identity right away. This is stated explicitly at the beginning of Mark's gospel, see Mark 1.34. Jesus wants to keep his identity a secret for a time. There are a variety of reasons why, see Mark 1.45 and 3.6. Jesus want to, did not want to be killed until it was the right time, John 7.30. Uh, so Jesus did not want to be to publicly proclaim his identity. This is known among scholars as the messianic secret. When the days of his death and ascension were approaching, he headed straight for Jerusalem, Luke 9, 51. That was when he was arrested and taken before the Sanhedrin to reveal his identity. As a Muslim, uh, this is an ex-Muslim speaking. Uh, as a Muslim, I did not concede this point until I realized something surprising. Both Muslims and Christians agree Jesus is the Messiah, but in the Gospels, Jesus is only publicly proclaimed that he is the Messiah one time. That one location is at his trial before the Sanhedrin, the very passage where Jesus claims to be God. To repeat, the one time in the Gospels that Jesus publicly claimed to be the Messiah was the same time he publicly claimed to be God. Since Muslims believe Jesus was the Messiah, even though he publicly proclaimed it only once, 
We cannot demand he proclaim his deity more often or more boldly. He was not in the business of proclaiming his identity over and over again. He chose to wait for the right moment. Although Jesus did not often proclaim his identity publicly, the Gospels inform their readers of his identity through the narrative of the text. See Mark 1, 1, 1, 11 and 3, 11. Uh, throughout his gospel, Mark is preparing the reader for the moment that the messianic secret will be revealed when Jesus will tell everyone who he really is, tying together all his words and deeds. This makes 1462 the climax in divine revelation, all the more powerful and important to understand. It is there that Jesus claims to be the divine son of man from Daniel 7 and the one sitting on the throne of God from Psalm 110, 1. After reading Mark through the lens of Jewish scripture, you could not avoid the obvious. From introduction to climax, Mark's gospel is an exposition of the deity of Jesus. The first biography of Jesus ever written is designed to teach that Jesus is Yahweh. In fact, the things that I like to do, if anyone's out there still asking this, needs satisfying themselves, just look up the little phrase, I am. It's used repeatedly, as, as Shaggy War said, uh, when he said that at his arrest, the arrest has fell over. Right. And he also shocked the Jews when he said before Abraham was, I am. Now, when the Jewish people heard that, what Jesus said was, I am God. That's that's a name. Right. It's a, a nice short way of saying God is father. God is spirit. God is son. But I never had a start. I never had a finish. I always am. I am. When Moses asked who's speaking to me, God said, tell them I am. Right. So they would have got the clue straight away. If you're a Muslim, you wouldn't get the clue because you don't have that background in your Quran. It's way before the Quran even exists. If you're a Christian, your culture is usually outside of that. Read your Old Testament. If you want to understand your New Testament, God called himself. I am. So when Jesus called himself, I am, he said, I am God. And all the things that went with it, the quotes from Psalm 110, that are used in the New Testament to describe him as saviour, as Messiah. They all fit together. So that's what I'd recommend. Look up I am. And there's a few uh, questions that are there or a few comments coming up in the chat, which you'll find very, very useful in this, this context. Anything also else? in Revelation 4, also in Revelation 4, John, um, uh, the elders fall be before the Lord and worship him who created. And, yeah. and we're told Jesus is the creator. And yep. it's also he's also referred to in that passage as one that looks like a lamb that was slain, uh, who, who we know clearly is Jesus. So, so the, the elders in heaven are, are falling before him and worshipping him. So there, there is a direct reference to worship of Jesus there. And, and John, who wrote that, also said in, in 1 John 5, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life, who, who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I noticed Sammy just put up an ad there, and Joe and I will jump in on that one. We do have a, a Search for Truth, not Search for Truth, Standing for Truth uh, actual program coming up on dragons and on the geological column, right? Uh, I think that's in a week's time, something like that. So go to the SFT site, look up that coming up. Uh, that's Joe and I will be on... Uh, and, sort of piggybacking on one another, dragons and the geologic column and a Q&A. So, George, make sure it gets promoted out there and uh, we'll look forward to catching yeah. up with you in a little week's time. Yeah, just on the back of, obviously, the, the question, obviously, Muslims say 
uh, to Christians a lot. You know, where does Jesus say, I am God, worship me in those specific words? I only want those specific words. You can flip it back on them and say, where, well, in, in the Quran, where does Jesus say, I am only a prophet, don't worship me? Because that's what Muslims believe. You know, you can just simply flip it back on them and just show them the illogical fallacy of their argument there and just say, you know, your, your book doesn't say this, nor does mine. You need to understand the critical thinking and use your deduction to actually connect the threads between the Old and New Testament to actually see that Jesus is saying he is God by saying he is the I am. Good one, Sam. Awesome. Right. Let's have a message from the chat. I've been too selfish tonight. I was, that was just too, I was too juicy to pass up on this night of uh, extravagance against, against uh, Islam. Uh, right. Okay. This is an interesting question from uh, Rebroth Baptist. Uh, he says, do you believe Muhammad was actually visited by an angel or did he make this up? I'm having some, um, some Joseph Smith vibes from Mormonism here. I, I think it might sort of all sort of stem from the, sort of same sort of made up possible um, mental illness well, well, side. Well, it's not just Joseph Smith, uh, Sam. There's there's a lot of uh, examples of where people claim to have been uh, spoken to by an angel. Um, and, and another one that I was reading a little while ago was a book called Con Conversations with God where a, a guy that I was working with was into this and, and thinking it was the truth, but it doesn't take long to read these books. And, and, and as soon as they dismiss Jesus as just another one sort of of, um, you know, an equivalent to Buddha or Muhammad or whoever, uh, that you realise it's not actually a Christian book. Um, but this guy's claiming that his hand was writing the conversations without him controlling it. And it's coming up with all this stuff that's, um, you know, qu quite interesting in many ways, but clearly anti-Christian. So I, I believe that there are demons that do um, present themselves to certain people at certain times in history and uh, are out to deceive. Uh, there's mm -hmm. deceiving spirits out there. And... Um, I, I think Muhammad, who claimed that he was visited by an angel, he himself has claimed it. He thought it was a demon to start with, um, from what I understand, and, and that his wife was the one that claimed, no, it was uh, Gabriel. And uh, and he he then um, uh, took that as you know guidance that that was in fact what happened. Um, so I, I do believe that there are deceiving spirits that that present themselves to certain people uh, that have opened themselves up to it. And they then um, proclaim uh, certain religions, and, and who knows how many we don't hear. But we certainly do get the records of some of those, those that have been more influential throughout history. We certainly are warned in the Bible to beware of Satan, who goes around like a roaring lion, or beware of his followers uh, who act as angels of light. Angel just is the old Greek word for messenger. And sometimes it's used even of Jesus as a messenger. But in reality, there are angels who are the right ones and there are angels who are demons. The angel who visited Mary and Joseph passed on with them. You will call his name Jesus, direct from God. They knew it was an angel. And at the same time, there are demons who will lead you astray, many of which will pretend to be very good. They're angels of light. They look good, sound good, and they, their aim is to achieve evil. So beware out there. 
those of you who are looking for visions and dreams, check them against what God's word says. You have no other way. You don't know everything. I don't know everything. God has given us his word. If you want to know whether a revelation is from a good angel or a, a demon, then check what God's word has to say. Sooner or later, you find out where it actually went wrong. In fact, what's interesting is one of my long-term supporters became a Christian through playing a Ouija board game. Now that sounds bizarre, but he thought it was just a joke. He thought it was just something silly you did. And then he was frightened out of his brains because the thing actually did what he wanted it to do without him touching it. And then he felt this overwhelming power of evil. And he basically said, I ran out of there. I knew the spiritual world was real. And he said, I needed more power to uh, re repel this. And he said, I became a Christian, right? <laughs> Jesus was greater power than the, these demons were. So they are very real. And I'm pretty sure Muhammad, as Craig said, was actually visited by an angel who was a demon who was very cleverly tricking him into taking what he knew about Catholicism. The Trinity was Father, Mary and Jesus. Take what he knew and twist it, right? Take the bits of information about the blood for a sacrifice and make sure you never could get to anyone whose blood could pay the penalty for sin. And all in a way it gets just worse and worse from there. Take the penalty for sin being death and then kill the Christians because they're committing the biggest sin of blasphemy because they're saying your Allah is not the true God. But since the Allah is not the true God, you should be patting them on the back. So the truth becomes error without too much trickery from demons if you're you're not protected by the blood of Christ in, in all of this. So that's probably enough said on that one, Craig. Any others if, there, Joseph? If I could just take us a step backwards, this question that Sam brought up right about when did Jesus say, uh, worship me um you've also got to understand that jesus's ministry was solely uh, while he was alive anyway it was solely to his people hebrews to the israelites to the children of israel to the jews right um and so you've got to also bear in mind that his message is going to be aimed towards his people the their great understanding of the old testament and the old testament prophet there was something niggling in the back of my head in terms of a reference and i've just been digging around to pull it up it's in luke chapter 4 uh in verse sort of uh, 17 onwards 14 onwards at the beginning of jesus's ministry i won't read through it all because i know i'm cutting in and out but it's his ministry and he goes to the synagogue in the uh, book of Isaiah to, to read part of um, the Old Testament as he is accustomed to do in the synagogue and he stands up and he reads a section of the book of Isaiah and he reads the section from Isaiah 49 and Isaiah 61 where it says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim the liberty to the captives recovery to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, Isaiah is full of prophecy about the Messiah, and Isaiah is abundantly clear that the Messiah will be God in the flesh. It's stated over and over again throughout. So every Jew who'd studied at a silly, who'd studied under a Pharisee, would know that the coming Messiah was going to be God in the flesh. And it says that Jesus read out this section of Isaiah, closed the book, and then sat down. And everybody turned around and stared at him, right? And he up and said, this 
is who I am. This is me. This is me fulfilling the promise, right? This was Jesus Christ really at the beginning of his ministry, and the Jews would have understood this instantly. This was Jesus Christ saying, I am God, worship me. Mm. Right? And he then went on to say that, well, I'll reject me, and reject him they did. They took him outside and tried to throw him off a cliff, right? Now that, because they recognized that Jesus was saying, I am God, worship me, and that was blasphemous, horrendously blasphemous. Jesus certainly would have deserved being thrown off the cliff if it hadn't been for the fact that he was God in the so um, even way beginning, even though he doesn't stand up and say the physical words, I am God, worship me, to every single Jew, he might as well have said that. That's why they considered him a heretic and wanted to kill him, right? So throughout scripture, the Jews get a bit angsty about Jesus and wants to try and kill him. And it's because he often proclaims himself as God. I mean, just at the point where he says, you to the man, you know, the story take the roof off, lower the man down, right? Your sins can walk. And hang on a minute, only God can forgive sins. Again, Jesus is much saying, I am God, and every Jew is God. So there's throughout scripture, even though he never says it specifically, as we would like to hear in our English here, is to a Jew, it was over and over again, Jesus Christ declaring himself as God in flesh. Amen. Any other well, questions or comments? Soon, point? We're sort of getting to the quarter past mark now. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to have uh, to head out soon, Joe. So uh, I may, if I yeah. disappear, folks. God That's bless. Fine. I've still got a sick wife, so pray for her. Let's mate. have let's have one more question then, Sam. Okay, and then That's we'll. Back. I've been saving this one because I think this is a, this is a good question to end on. Uh, this comes from uh, Michelle uh, Shipley Kilker on Facebook. Um, what are some topics which should be avoided or are not helpful in mentioning to a Muslim when? A, when uh, approaching the subject of salvation the crusades that we won <laughs> oh john oh. <laughs> well you asked <laughs> i knew some, some snarky answer would come from you john honestly um but it's a valid point though anybody else got a comment Oh, <sighs> um, I mean, ultimately, the, dif the difficulty with with any whether you're de dealing with a Jehovah's Witness, whether you're dealing with a Mormon, is they have a completely different from what we do. So, trying to deal with um, anything specific, I mean, could you do the topic of the Trinity? Well, you can, and if you know your Bible well enough, go for it. Um, but ultimately. Until you get them back to scripture very far without a work of the spirit so first and foremost your 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 first thing really needs to be prayer wisdom uh, because the lord will give you wisdom above um anything that receive in our own minds and wisdom is a far far more powerful tool than the logic of our minds right Just ask for wisdom because different muslims and different people are going to be trained differently they're going to have different understandings as john said the very little about what's actually in the quran so 
good topic to deal with is the contradictions in the Quran actually tells Muslims to come to us, the Christians, to uh, help them understand the Quran. So you should know a bit about the Quran as well, uh, as well as no and out. So there's, a, a, I mean, many different resources out there that can help you. But first and foremost, I would say your most important thing on your knees and pray to God for wisdom and pray for opportunities to be actually be able to to speak and evangelize with people. I think it's probably better to know. That, I was just going to say, it's probably better to, to know the things that you should mention to them um, rather than things you, you know, you shouldn't in, in some respects. For example, a lot of the testimonies that you hear from former Muslims becoming Christians uh, is the reference to, to God's love for them. Uh, there was a great video put out by the three ex-terrorists um, and how they became Christians. And uh, one of them was just a very murderous um, uh, terrorist in, in Lebanon. Um, but he was just hit and struck by God's incredible love for him as an individual. And uh, that, that's a real strong focus point, I think, for a lot of Muslims yeah. because they, yeah. they believe in a God that doesn't love them. Love is not me. I've read a lot of the Quran as well. And the, uh, there is definitely no mention of yeah. love. Yeah, that's a very interesting point, Craig, because if you flick through the Quran, um, you will find no comforting verses, no loving verses, no you know, soothing verses, no, nothing for when you're grieving or when you're upset mm. or stressed or anxious, nothing. There is nothing in there that will give you that comfort that you need, whereas, you know, Scripture is filled to the brim with God loves you. God wants to... to you know, have that special relationship with you to become your father, you know, to comfort you when you're down, to pick you up when you're broken and put you back together and mold you to how he, env he envisions you to have, you know, under his wing, you know, to, to be a, a true believer of Christ. You know, it's, it's so yeah. important to, to express that to a Muslim, you know, say, you know, wh where, where in the Quran could I find comforting verses or, or loving verses or you know or whatever uh, they can't they can't provide them because they're they're just they're just not there they're non-existent um and, and also as well um i mean i'm just flicking through my quran um i've highlighted i've i've uh, you can probably see some uh, bookmarks i've got of um some blasphemous verses um but uh, <laughs> uh there's uh in uh, surah 568 it says uh, say, O prophet, O people of the book, you have nothing to stand on unless you observe the Torah, the gospel, and what has been revealed to you from your Lord. Now, that's talking about Christians and Jews, talking about the, the Torah and the gospels. We have got nothing to stand on unless we stand on these. We Basically, we have to believe them and trust them. And what do the gospels say? There is no, you, Jesus literally said, there is no way you can get to the Father except through me. There is no way. Forget, you know, I mean, Muslims have got this sort of, you know, thing going on with, with you know, sin, where they've got to keep, you know, repenting and, and purging themselves from sin. And, and, you know, there's this endless cycle of, you know, making atonement. And, and you say to a Muslim, you know, oh, uh, will you get to heaven? They say, inshallah. You know, it, God's God, you know, by God's will, I will. But there's no certainty. You know, I just say, well, how can you be sure? Well, I, I can't be sure, but inshallah, I will. But that, this is the God of the universe we're talking about who is supposed to forgive sin. How, how do you know? You should need to have a certainty because, you know, we're talking about your eternal damnation here, you know, and you then point them to 
you know, to Jesus, how he can provide that certainty that God gave his son on the cross for you to provide for your past sin, your present sin and your future sin, the be all and end all enough said drops mic you know that sort of thing you know it's it's it there's multiple avenues you can go down with approaching a, a muslim um and again i would recommend a lot of uh, resources um especially ones by nabil qureshi because he was a muslim very heavy muslim and he became a christian and began to um evangelize if you look up um if you just search david wood as well in um, youtube there's some really good resources there of him um sort of uh, breaking down the arguments and saying how, how much nonsense it is. And to be honest, I would actually recommend people to actually get a Quran. I know it sounds controversial. Oh, Christians recommending you to get a Quran. Oh no, the world's gone mad. But no, seriously, get one and highlight it. Highlight, go through it with a fine tooth comb and highlight all the things that are that sticks out to you as a problem. I mean, I've also got books by, you know, some um, Islamic literature. This one is called Jesus Man messenger messiah by one reason um by uh, abu zakariah uh this book here um I've, I've actually got two qurans um and numerous pamphlets as well it's really really good practice especially if you're starting out you know in this journey of apologetics and ministering to muslims to really get your knowledge in because they will come at you with with little things you never thought of and you have to be ready you have to be prepared you have to say i have read the quran and it says this it says that you need to be really prepared and it's a good launching point to say well here's a bible i've read your quran read my bible but since i just asked for prayer before for my wife being sick and i meant that but you'll also find that the muslims will accept you offering out of friendship oh your brother's ill your sister's ill i will pray to jesus because they will accept Jesus as a healer and it's a doorway you can actually walk through that won't meet any opposition whatsoever. So you folks out there, I'm going to bid you goodbye and go and see my sick wife. God bless. I'll catch you next week. God bless, John. Okay. It's also time for us to wrap up. We've been going half hours, so let's uh, wrap up and finish. But with it, next week we're back and hopefully I will have and hopefully we'll be able to see Diane. It'd be wonderful. Um, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be lovely. It, it's just it's yeah, just de right all night. It's just been so disappointing. Yeah, yes, yes, all right. Well, I, I shall go and see see if I can uh, interrogate this computer. And I'm not sure whether it's the yeah. restream program or we'll my computer. We, we didn't have time to sort that out before mm -hmm. we started. Right, just before we go. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know what's going on with my technology. Before we go, Alara Christ is available on our shop. Get it, have a watch. It's fantastic. Great presentation from John that really delves into some really um, prominent issues that are brought up when dealing with uh, is, um, Islam. And remember, next week we're dealing with a historical ad. What's the importance of believing in a history? We'll be dealing with some of these sort of uh biologos kind of claim forth. So it should be a, a good week. It should be a good topic and um yeah i don't know if if it has worked as we we hope um uh we may re-upload this with proper audio because i don't know what's going on but never mind anyway thank you very much george thank you very much there we go. Yes. Thank you, 20 Aussie buffaroos. 
Uh, yeah, so uh, yes, I'll read this one out. Um, all, all you guys are in my thoughts. Looking forward to the dinosaurs in the Bible and the geological column presentation next week. God bless. God bless you, George. You're a blessing. You're a star. You're a gem. And uh, Doki Doki, it's not a creation rouge. It's true. Without Doki Doki coming in with three US buckaroos, a pair character punching the air with fist and bump written on his knuckles. <laughs> I know Diane enjoys my my uh, my narration of these. So yeah, oh, well, they're wonderful descriptions. They they bring up all sorts of uh, amazing thoughts uh, or thought pictures from the descriptions. Yes, hmm. great stuff. And um, I'll just I'll just have a quick scan, and I don't think there's anything else. No, no, we're all good. There we go. I've thanked everyone that needs to be thanked. Well, thank you all very very. We really appreciate it. Sorry about the technology issues um but keep supporting us so we can try and overcome them anyway yes. we will sign off now god bless catch you next week and uh let's see what we can get uh what we can do wise but god bless everyone